You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Eight games into the NHL season, and I am exhausted. Eight games in, and the L.A. Kings are already on the mend. But we're feeling good. We're feeling positive. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, man. I'm doing okay. Hanging in there. You know, long way off over the weekend uh, before the next game. So we figured it'd be a good time to to jump in and record more regularly like we promised yeah it has not been a long layoff for us no keeping our word starting off strong gotta keep up the momentum all right right out of the gate we're talking about the la kings being on the mend and we're gonna attack the covid front with our resident doctor (laughs) give it to us straight doc what's going on uh not well the problem is it's not really clear yet all we know for sure right now is that um so at some point in the middle of the week, uh, Andreas Athanasiu, who uh, has been a nice, somewhat surprising addition to the team so far, um, he was pulled from the lineup uh, due to COVID protocol. That's all they've told us. They haven't really told us if he tested positive or if it's a, if it's like a contact tracing interaction kind of thing. But pretty suspiciously that they only pulled him. There hasn't been any news of any other personnel or anything like that so he either either violated protocol in some way which i think would have been a bigger news item kind of like how it was with washington but more than likely he tested positive and they just haven't come out and said that yet um and then shortly afterwards after uh playing in minnesota um came back that now blake lazat is also on the COVID protocol and that's a slight bit more worrisome because he actually played a game was on the flight heading back with the boys from minnesota when whereas athanasiu actually did not come back on that plane which again leads me to believe that they knew that athanasiu was positive they didn't want to lead him on the plane potentially infect everyone else but they might not have known about blake lazat so um again all this stuff is very as you would imagine you know, protected health information wise, they're not, they don't want to be coming out and saying things too openly. Um, so some of it has a veil of secrecy to it. But if I had to speculate and read between the lines, I would, I would that's what I would figure is that at the very least, Athenasiu has tested positive. Lazat may have been in close enough contact with him that they're holding him out. Um, I'm just worried that more, more, uh, dominoes are going to fall because I find it difficult to believe that it's just going to end up being those two guys on the entire team, especially with Lazat flying back. So that's, that's the COVID situation for them. Um, in addition to the Kings, uh, their own personal COVID situation, there's been a lot of teams around the league that have had a lot of stuff pop up. Obviously Dallas had their first out, had the, the first big outbreak. They were delayed in getting started. Then Carolina had a few things. Now Vegas is, uh, is having some issues. Initially it was all the coaches were, were taken out of circulation and uh, the GM coached the game. And now they canceled, they literally canceled the silver Knights, their, their AHL equivalent game between periods. So uh, that's that's a bit worrisome, especially because this upcoming week, the Kings are supposed to be playing the Knights uh, twice. So remains to be seen 
um, if those games will actually yeah. happen for I'm various actually, reasons. I'm looking at New Jersey, and it appears today they added Mackenzie Blackwood was already on there, and I think Connor Carrick might have already been on there, but now Aaron Dell, Kyle Palmieri, Sammy Vatten, and Tra- Travis Zajac all on the COVID list. I think that's the biggest chunk of people for one team, although Detroit is is right there too with with like five or six players. So you I, mean the biggest chunk? Well, whereas the team is still playing, right? Because I mean Dallas, they straight up like, yeah. And I don't know what the number is, by the way. I don't know what that cutoff is, like what that number where they say like, okay, we're going to cancel the games yeah, versus not even sure if it's a hard number, yeah, or if it's just a case by case basis because like Detroit. Adam Ernie, Robbie Fabry, Sam Gagne, John Merrill, Philip Zidane. But that's been since the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the main thing I look at this and I realize that the cancellations, the postponements, it's going to be part of the process. And mm-hmm. certainly I didn't think things were going to go perfectly. It's virtually impossible in this environment. But now we can see for ourselves firsthand that this is going to be an ongoing thing part of the process games are going to be postponed wouldn't be surprised if it happens to the king sooner than later the nba you know had a lot of games uh get postponed for similar reasons so it's interesting it's 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 a new ground for everybody because the bubbles nothing really got postponed as far as i remember mm-hmm. i think one game or two game got post two games got postponed because of a timing issue because certain games uh went over there a lot of time and a game had to be postponed to the next day and it was it's i guess it's strange because after the bubble you would think oh it's gonna everything's gonna be fine uh but clearly <laughs> here we are and this is the new re- reality of pro sports yeah and i think it just goes to show you that, you know, you could, you could have these guys in a bubble for several, several months. Obviously the Kings were not there, but a good portion of the teams were, and they almost had a training period, if you will, for protocol and for testing and, and kind of like you maybe got used to that idea and then you let them out of the bubble. And I feel like all that stuff, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's very easy for those good habits to, to fall away when they're when they're not being enforced in a strict bubble atmosphere you know like these guys are still around one another quite a bit they're coming and going it's too unpredictable and it could spread so quickly in that type of a setting unfortunately um and obviously you hope that no one gets seriously ill um i think the the most significant or at least outward, you know, the the most um, openly um, reported significant complications so far has been um, for uh, Marco Rossi from Minnesota Wild, um, who who hadn't played, I think, basically since the World Juniors. um, And now it's coming out that he's been dealing with a upper body issue, which is a complication from COVID. Now you can, that can be many, many things. The most obvious one, at least the one that, you know, kind of comes to mind for me is is whether it's like a myocarditis issue, which is like an inflammatory um, complication of the heart muscle, or whether it's blood clots, because that can very easily happen as well. Um, but thankfully, they seem to have discovered that this is something that's going on for him rather than putting him back out on the ice and having something 
terrible potentially happen to them out there. So obviously you, you never want to hear like something like that, especially in a kid who's 19 years old and just getting his career started. But let's hope that more Bright future too. Yeah. Very highly touted player. Very, very highly touted. And so you just hope that something like that doesn't happen to, um, to really anyone, quite frankly, from all these cases that are likely going to pop up. Like you said, I mean, we're only, depending on the team that you're following, six to ten games into the season, long way to go. Long way to go still. Yeah, and speaking of kings on the mend, I don't need to be a doctor to tell you what went wrong with Matt Roy on that nasty hit from Kevin Fiala in the Minnesota game. Um, And I certainly don't have to be a doctor to tell you what's going on with Sean Walker's face. Two very clear-cut don't need the details on those to tell you <laughs> these guys are probably going to be out for a little bit of time. Uh, Walker took a shot to the face and his post-game photo. It's the stuff of nightmares, I think, is the best <laughs> way to put it. Uh, I know you and I had a quick conversation trying to guesstimate when he would come back. And I mentioned that being a hockey player and in this Still sometimes silly hockey culture. He's probably going to slap a mask on and be back in a couple of weeks, uh, which still might happen. But again, in a season like this, let's take our time. Let's take our time with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that game ended up being costly for several, several reasons. And we'll, we'll get into that, obviously. But um, Roy, you certainly worry from a concussion standpoint, the way he went into the boards head first and um, Fiala, I think got suspended three games. Three games. For um, that, yeah. Which I was actually kind of surprised for You really, I, you rarely see, I'll tell you why you rarely see them get the major and then get like three games, especially in a shortened season plus a major. I was, I was actually quite surprised that that was, the suspension that was handed out well, for that's, that. That's interesting. I've never made that correlation that it, if you get the major or if the punishment fits the crime, I suppose, then the suspension is less severe or not existent. That's interesting. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I've seen that several times in the explanations mm-hmm. for supplemental discipline that, like, was, was there a call made on the ice? Was there... A significant yeah. call, yeah, something that was appropriate for the for the offense. Because right. technically, speaking, if you give the guy a major, he's out for the rest right, of that five game. In a game. Yeah, so I mean, it's a pretty big penalty for that game. So I was kind of surprised, especially because Fiala does not have a history that I'm aware of. I think this was a first time serious offense for him. If I'm wrong about that, my apologies. But. It was a dangerous play. I don't think it was an intentional play, obviously, but it was a very dangerous hit. So I'm, I don't know. You know, I guess what I'm saying is I see that hit. I'm like, wow, they gave that a five, a major and three game suspension. And then you look at the hit that like Kotko Niemi took the other day, which was like a straight elbow to the head mm-hmm. behind the, behind the net. And that didn't even get called on the ice. You know what I mean? So it's just, Again, this is this is the problem, I, I suppose, with the with the NHL's um, supplementary discipline. Is it's still a bit of a crapshoot. Sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. Sometimes you're just baffled as to what they're what they're calling and what they're suspending. That's I 
100% agree with you there because Dylan Dubé didn't even get any supplemental he, discipline. Yeah, he didn't get anything. Whatsoever. So he essentially gets away with it right. completely, yeah, without so, any punishment. So, yeah, yeah. It the inconsistency, I think, will always be maddening. But from a, I guess from a, just keeping it to a King's perspective, I thought it was fine. I didn't really blink at the three-game suspension. It was... It was pretty ugly, man. I think the mm-hmm. way, the visual, I think, of Matt Roy, but I know enough to know that a human body is not supposed to bend that way, right? right? Like like an accordion, uh, for lack of a better comparison. Right. Um, and also that game, just overall, the second game of that Minnesota set, the second Minnesota set, I was pretty pissed off <laughs> with the, some of the things the Wild were doing. I kind of went off on, uh, what is it, Carson Soucy? a name that is very new to me, but it was just, it was just one small play where I don't even think, you know, maybe I'm overreacting because I don't even think most people would have caught it, but I think Kovatar was kind of going to the net. Um, I forget who was in net for them. I know it's their new goalie. I just forget his name. Uh, he was holding off for a whistle and Kovatar kind of was gliding towards him. And this Carson Susie character just gave him a two hander, right, right in the cuffs, right in the wrist. And, and the thing that made me, I guess notice it more than other places. The way Kopitar himself reacted, mm. he turned around and whacked him pretty good too. And he does not—he does not do that. You know, right. we, this, that guy. It takes a lot to even, you know, irk him. It looks like on the ice at all for him to turn around and whack Carson Susi. So you know, to me, it's like that started it. There's a certain respect you give to certain guys. Mm-hmm. And Kopitar is now at that level. You know, would you would turn around and whack Patrice Bergeron after a whistle? Probably not. Right. Uh, and he's at that level. They're, you know, whatever. If you want to debate, they're a, a hair below or above one another. Fine. No, but I think it's a, I think it's a valid point, not just because of like the talent that they necessarily bring, but like the personality, the type of you know reputation they have around the league. Like they're clean players. They're absolutely lady honest. Bing. Yeah. Exactly, like they're gentlemanly players, and for a dude who's a Carson Soucy in the league to do that, um, and it's clearly that's that's clearly like a cheap shot play. You know, it's not like an obvious thing, but it's something that if you've ever been hit across the wrists with a stick in any way, you know that it's a very vulnerable spot, and especially for a guy like Kopitar who's a center, that can that can inhibit your game considerably more so maybe than just like a a cross check to the back or something like that, where you have a little more padding, you know? So that's, that's clearly, that's clearly an intentional. Yeah. I didn't like it. Um, now I, now I know the name Carson Susie. So mm-hmm. congrats, I guess to him. Uh, but I will say, I feel like we got little something now with Minnesota, a little bit of a mini rivalry, something that outside of this structure, I don't think we would have gotten is some bad blood between right. these two teams. Obviously, the hit there. Uh, even in the post game, I think Dowdy made mention of it. I think he said, "The way that <laughs> you, can, you can always count on Drew to stoke the flames, can't you?" Of course, and he also—I mean—he ran his mouth after that game <laughs> on several <laughs> levels, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, but, mm. but, but yeah, he has—he has a point in, in that particular quote that it will now be a little more intense between these teams, mm-hmm. you know, and. God, who would have thought, you know, a couple of years ago that we'd have any kind of beef with Minnesota yeah. for any kind of reason. But I guess if you want to look at positives of this wacky season, I think that might be one. 
some fireworks yeah. might go off when you least expect it. Yeah, and some of those are, are of our own doing, obviously. You know, the frustration of losing to them twice in overtime after being up two goals, that that definitely carries yes, over. Yes, And um, I guess we can we can do like a little bit of a, a recap since we've only played we four games since should. the last one. Yeah. Um, I mean, since we're on the Minnesota topic, we might as well finish up that two-game set. So that the first game of the two-game set, and we're, we're obviously not going in order here, but I thought we played a, a great tight old school kind of Kings game and Cal Peterson had without a shadow of a doubt, the best game he's had all season, totally in the zone and the Kings won it two one. Um, was that, I'm trying to remember, was that the game where Grunstrom had the game yes. winner? What a great play. Great play. What uh, a fantastic I could talk play about that, that goal for Please several, several minutes. take it away. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to, I'll keep it tight, but I'll, I'll hit the major points of what I liked about it. So many times in the Kings' recent past, uh, we've seen a player on the half wall with the puck, with position, in traffic, and it's almost automatic. I don't care if they're wearing, you know, respectfully, number 23, number 13, number 20. It doesn't matter. What they're going to do <laughs> is... <laughs> that old number 13 is just popping up in your mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, the new number 13 will make me forget a lot of that stuff. Uh, no, we're kidding, Kyle Clifford. We love you. But... Normally, that whoever it is, the forward would probably either cycle low, dump it back in, and continue, you know, the cycle because the Kings historically or recently have had big players, big wingers, big forwards. Uh, or they would, you know, maybe a chip pass to the point, funnel the puck to the net, and let's see what happens. In this on, on this particular play, Grunstrom has the puck at the half wall. He's got two green jerseys, like, right around him, so it's not like he has all kinds of space. Um, so he, what he does is he pulls it, pulls the puck away from the wall, which is already step one. That's new. <laughs> He's not mm -hmm. turning his <laughs> back to the play. Not hugging the wall. Yeah. Uh, and he actually skates into the slot area again through traffic because there was a couple of wild sticks going at him. And right, just that alone, again, it's a small thing, but it's an, it's nice to see what should be in my mind, a philosophical change in how the team is playing. Mm -hmm. Grunstrom goes to the slot head up looks for a shot goals come from the slot this is something we learned when we were kids if you played uh, this is something uh, if you've watched the game long enough to know most goals come from certain areas it's not off the half ball believe it or not anyway he he pulls it to the slot and he looks up and he fires it's it's a it's a confident play and I think that's the thing I, I love the most about it it's a guy who's like I'm pulling this pulling this to the middle and I'm going to get a good shot off. Mm -hmm. um, instead of being like, I'm afraid to make a mistake. If I don't put this in the corner, coach is going to be mad at me and I'm not in, you know, in any position to do whatever I want. Cause I'm not Andre Kopitar. I could be right. pulled next game. I could be healthy scratched any minute. I could be sent down, you know, uh, for him to do that and, and for him to get the result. That's, I think so nice because, you know, if he does that and he misses the net, maybe he does get an earful from someone, you know? Mm -hmm. But for him to pull it to the style like that and shoot it, what a shot, too. The placement. Oh, yeah, it's a goal scorer's goal. Yeah. Uh, for it to be a successful play like that makes me really happy because I know he's a young player and, you know, next time he's not going to hesitate again because I'm, when he went to the bench, I'm sure all he heard was, you know, positives. Yeah. I think, I think something, it's a subtle thing, but the thing that makes that play happen for him 
is the is the patience for that lane to open up. You know, he's coming up on the half wall and obviously he's got a guy on his back who's who's checking him and he's got a winger covering the point man. So the farther up he comes up on the half wall, the closer he gets to the point, the more likely he's going to find himself in this kind of of a, of a pickle situation, right? Where the winger can kind of pinch down and the, and the center can do what he has to. So he it's finding that sweet spot where the, where the winger is still covering the point man or looking off the winger to, to keep him on the point man to get, to get the stick out of the lane. And as soon as that happens, you, you get a split second to cut into the slot and make that, and make that play happen. And if you watch the replay of that, that's exactly kind of what he does a little look off or, or he, he did something that made the winger think that he was going to go to the point mm-hmm. because the winger's stick moves out of that lane to cover the point pass. And then by the time he realizes that that's not where the puck is going, that the Grundstrom's going to cut to the slot, the winger's already completely out of position. It's an open, it's an open drive to the slot to make that shot happen. And again, it's it's little things like that. But like you mentioned, it's it's having the confidence to try and do that, to try and make those plays, to try and do those lookoffs. To you know, I think we've talked about this many many times, but I think the one thing that's been lacking in the Kings' offense has been an element of deception. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very, very predictable, you know, up to the point, funnel to, to the net, like you mentioned, net front presence, down to the corner, cycle, cycle, cycle until something opens up. There's, It's very predictable. It's very much focusing on possess, possess, possess until something opens up rather than possess and deceive. Create, possess, yeah. It, yeah. create exactly. The, the, it's, and some of that, again, is is – a talent issue some of it is a confidence issue so it's nice to see um some sparks of that from from the younger guys you know the guys who are supposed to be the future of this team um and that that kind of carries over from from grunstrom's first goal during this run which was which was in st louis that Um, game man that was uh (laughs) i I mean, I can't imagine a more fun viewing yeah. experience for a for a Kings fan this year, specifically because of the group of players that played well mm-hmm. that game, mm-hmm. and just the goals by some some of these guys are. That was a great game. I uh, like if that's the high point of the season, and I know like we still have some expectations, but if that's it, like I will I will enjoy revisiting that game as many yeah. times as possible. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought that was going to be a real turning point. It felt like a real turning point kind of game. We had a couple um, under our belt already, if you want to call them "quote unquote" preseason games, even though they're you know they counted as real ones. But we had a couple games under our belt. Yeah, we were not doing a whole heck of a lot, and then finally it all just kind of like broke loose. And like you mentioned, the guys that were scoring goals, and and I truly think that Grundstrom's goal was the one that that lit the spark, you know, like it it just, it took off from there, I think. And it it was kind of towards the end of the first period, you know? So in that game, Braden Chen had the first goal. The Kings came out tremendous. This was after, this is the second game against St. Louis. The first one didn't go the way they wanted it to. Again, they didn't look great. And so it was nice to see them come out within that first seven minutes or so. And they just really worked hard. I thought they did a great job. And unfortunately, it went back the other way and Braden Shen scored a goal. That's that's a, such a deflating thing, right? Especially if you just came off a loss against this team. 
but they worked at it. And within that last couple minutes of the first, I follow gets a goal. And again, on the power play, which by the way, has looked fantastic so far these last couple of games, but then that Grundstrom goal, man, to, to, to toe drag it between the defender skates, Vince Dunn, go in, take, take a shower, buddy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then just a beautiful, well-placed shot. You can't tell me that momentum didn't carry over all the way into the locker room. And then they just came out flying in the second. It was it was a beautiful game to watch. Beautiful, was, beautiful game to watch. The goal, obviously, the Grundstrom girls goal is probably the nicest goal. But I got to gush about Gabe Velarde's goal just a little bit. <laughs> Do it, baby. <laughs> I mean, it's such a... Again, it, it's a small thing. <laughs> it's it's not one of those like Grundstrom's is a highlight real goal, right? Like Grundstrom's right. is a goal you're like watch this goal. I think Velarde's goal is is you have to. I don't want to say this because it sounds so pretentious to say like you have to have played to know how great that <laughs> goal was, but man, that is such a difficult goal to score on your backhand. It is. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, so, so credit, credit Brown words makes due to a Brown great that, play. Yeah. yeah, great play uh, to knock the puck out of the air off a D to D pass. Great play. Nice little pass to Velarde too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not picture perfect, but with the pressure he had on him to get it to him there. But the finish, man, because Velarde is a right-handed shot. He picks it up on his backhand. He kind of loses it for a second. Right. And then he proceeds to backhand it to the top shelf at such. A high velocity, like that is, that's a big boy backhander, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Opposite corner too, right? Opposite Everybody corner, remember? yeah. Just as hard as any wrist shot I've ever taken in my life, <laughs> if not harder. Probably harder than my clapper. <laughs> yeah. So, we always heard about how, uh, how good a passer he is, how much his uh, on ice vision helps his game, how much how big a part of his game it is. But now I'm seeing after that one wrist shot goal he had. That beauty. And then this backhander. Man, this kid, he might be a hell of a finisher for us too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's he's done nothing but impress from the offensive side of things, I think. The the defensive side is obviously something that is going to have to come with time. Um, he's well aware of that. And he's, he's doing his best, be, be it in the face-off circle or defensive coverage. But for what... I think this is why we drafted him, right? It was it was to bring this element of offense. And it's nice to see it showing up on the pro level. Um, and then to finish off that period, Kopitar gets his, uh, his first goal of the season. Um, I'm having trouble remembering that one, the, the Kopitar goal. But... I do remember the Elias Anderson goal, which closed out the which closed out that period. He was in the box, coming out of the box. Kopitar hit him with a beautiful pass, and um, so he went in alone on the breakaway. And he he beat the goalie on the initial move. The puck just kind of unfortunately hit the post, but the wherewithal and the presence of mind to not give up on the play, he manages to pick up his own rebound and tuck it in for his first goal. And I think that's that's such a great thing that happened to this guy, man. Like he he has been playing well, putting forth the right effort. I think and and getting scoring chances. I think he's doing everything the coaching staff is asking of him since he's been up. Yeah, you just like to see guys like that get rewarded. I think for the reasons Absolutely. that you mentioned. Like if these are going to be 
the future players, if these are going to be the guys that kind of, you know, carry this team for the next five, 10 years, this is the time to show it, you know? The Kopitar goal was a Kempe shot that got a piece of Kopitar and went in. That's might right, have even that's been, right. He might have even been credited to Kempe for a bit there before it was changed to Kopi. Yeah, it was the one that went off his uh, his shin pad or something, Possibly, wasn't it, up yeah. front? Something, yeah. yeah. It was, he was, oh, he was half screening. Yeah. It, was, it, was when, it, was, it was Kempe made a great play to kind of circle off the half wall again. Yes, but also Kale Clay. Yes. Zone it. So, real quick, I, I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about Kempe, but a couple of times now, I've noticed, and I like it, Vardy, Kale mm-hmm. Clay entering the zone. With control? With control, but like with creativity, east-west. He's not, you know, it's not some cross ice or board-to-board pass and he's flying down the wing and he gains entry because of, you know, good puck movement. He is creating controlled zone entries. Mm -hmm. And on this one, it's his zone entry. Very clean, by the way. And he finds Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Yeah, smooth, right? Like, What a great play. Just very smooth. And that's what you want to see. And he did the same thing um, in the second Minnesota game. Mm-hmm. He, it was such a nice zone entry he, he made. Like he's going, again, he's kind of weaving through the neutral zone. Um, and he goes east-west on the blue line. Everyone stays onside. Controlled entry. That's what we need from Kale Clay. He yeah. doesn't have to be, if he's just good at that, right? Like if you look, if he's just good at that, we're in good shape, in my opinion, like with him. You know, it's you know, it's great. Is not only does he gain the zone there, but he doesn't just gain the zone and then stay on the point. He keeps his speed and he actually passes off to Kempe and he keeps driving. Like he becomes part of the play. Yeah, he's you low. know what I mean. Like right. he, exactly, he gets low. He makes himself an option. Um, it's 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 really nice to see these things. It's really nice to see these young guys, especially because it seems like um, Clay's going to get a big boost in his ice time coming forward with with Roy and Walker being out, like we talked about, you know, we had been a bit critical of how he was playing, not just him, but, you know, quite a few people, the, the first couple of games, I think he's definitely taken a few steps, showing a bit more confidence and poise over the last few. And so definitely going to need that going forward. I think. Agreed. Um, Adrian Kempe, we were just mentioning him. He's look, (laughs) What is he, 2-2 two and two on the season? Um, did he miss a game? Am I... Um, I can't remember. Oh, no. Perhaps. I'm, I'm take, no, no, he played... No, it's, it's only eight games. So he's 3-2. No, he he's 3-2 three, three three and three and on the season, not 2-2. Yeah. That's what I was missing. Yeah. Um, good. You know, that's the kind of start I think we want from him. I expect he'll be shuffled around the lineup a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe the one thing that I'll give him is I think he is at least at the moment capable of playing up and down the lineup. So good. Let's, let's keep it going. Middle six yeah. guy. We've always talked about him being there. Um, hopefully he gets the confidence. Well, I should say he keeps the confidence because he's looking pretty confident overall this year, particularly with his shot selection. I, yeah. I'm very happy to see him being decisive with the puck. You know, not looks like he's not really second guessing his game, and that's good to see. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, if I can go back 
just briefly to that last Minnesota sure. game for as terrible as it was. Um, I'm, I want to give credit to Drew Doughty for playing a hell of a third in that with Roy and Walker being out. It's the first time this entire season that I have felt like he finally took over that he played like the Drew Doughty that I know he can play. I mean, he was granted. He, I think he ended up playing like 35 minutes or something ridiculous in that game. I'll tell you exactly now how much he had 32 minutes out of necessity, but I tell you, he was everywhere in the third. He was, he was forechecking. He was driving the play. He was back checking. He was generating the offense. He was rewarded with uh, a goal. I believe uh, yes, yeah. he was one and one a power play goal. And, you know, and of course he was the first person to tell you <laughs> that he it was, it was the best game he's played and how he dominated and everything. I was going to tell you, just, cause you start your sentence with, I'll tell you. And I was like, if, yeah. you, if you don't, he will. Yeah, he definitely will. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> he will out, remind yeah, you. Just flat out said, I thought I dominated the game. You know, I was the best player on the ice something along those lines so yeah exactly which again um, it's like <laughs> i think you said this i think you tweeted this out that you just couldn't you just couldn't, just keep, couldn't it keep it thought. an inside thought <laughs> just couldn't keep it an inside thought i, 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 I almost know? imagine this internal voice like battling like don't say it don't say it don't say it don't say it <laughs> he just says it. he was you know what i felt like i felt like it was a ricky bobby moment you know, he's <laughs> just like, I wake up in the morning and I piss Axel. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly what I felt like. Um, that's right. But he, he played well. And again, I don't know how much of that is is him surveying the situation for that game and, and stepping up. You know, how much of that is is him getting back into game shape now after having not played for several months and maybe – becoming the person that he wants to be that he kept saying he wanted to be. Yeah. I don't know, but I will give him credit that he played a hell of a game. I don't know if he can bring that every single game because a lot of times with Drew, it's like he tries so hard that he actually ends up shooting himself in the foot sometimes. But for that particular game, he played really well. Unfortunately, we lost two defensemen to injuries, two players to COVID and the game on top of things, which ended up being very, very costly overall. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the lineup. Um, Toby Bjornfoot might get a look-see here. Yeah. Kale Clay probably draws in for sure. Oh, yeah. I think so. I think the four that will remain without a doubt will be um, Dowdy, McDermott, Anderson, and Clay. I think uh, Strand they had called up to the taxi squad. I think Alt was already in the taxi squad, you know, things can change very rapidly. There's so many paper transactions that happen now, like taxi back forth, whatever it is. Um, But it's going to be, it's going to be musical chairs. I think for at least that bottom pairing, I think those four guys are going to stay in regardless. And then it's just going to be a rotating cast of characters. Um, So what what are your thoughts? Do you think they just, they just stick to a bunch of the Bjornfoots, the um, Alts, the Strands, the Derseys, perhaps. Probably. Probably so. I mean, what's the alternative? Mata's obviously back. Yeah. But, I guess, that was, you know, what's the alternative, really? Yeah. I mean, my I wasn't sure, depending, and they'll know better than we will, exactly how long Walker and uh, Roy would be out, but whether they would try to 
acquire someone. Yeah, just a, a more veteran presence on the cheap to see if... If Maybe if someone's available in free agency. Like, I don't know who's left. Well, there's so many waiver things now. That too, right. Like, you know, <laughs> there's there's a pretty okay defenseman out of New York on waivers right now. Oh, God. If you want to bring him into the fold, uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, for I don't know. It, it's very much a... Just, I think, next man up, man. What else? Mm -hmm. At this point, like, just next man up. I mean, these guys need to play at some point, you know. Yeah. Ali Mata's not going to rot <laughs> on a healthy No, spirit. and I think I think with Mata, you know, even the fact that they sat him for two games was surprising to me, but they, they seemed to justify it well, and obviously that's not going to happen anymore. He, he would have to play absolutely terrible, I think, with the current lineup shortage for them not to, not to play yeah, in the lineup. Yeah, and I think everyone realistically understands that it's going to be a challenge with that yeah. decor. It was already a challenge with our current decor yeah. with Roy and Walker in there, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just whoever's up next man up. You want to get some guys, some, some time. This is your chance. Um, that's what I would do. I don't expect any, I don't know. I don't, I don't expect any acquisitions to be honest with you. I think, you know, We'll talk about a really big trade that happened, but I think it might be a very low trade event kind of season anyway, mm. just because of so you know so many question marks and mm -hmm. moving across the country in some cases. Sure, yeah, that's true. That's true. Like the trade deadline, even if you trade someone, you have to figure that they're going to have a two week period after you trade them, right? Where they can't even play. Right. I, I expect it to be like the lowest activity for any trade deadline this season so yeah, that's fair we'll see um anything else kings wise Vardy? i do want to talk about the goaltending right quick sure go for it um like you said cal peterson had a really solid outing i thought he i thought he looked shaky in certain spots this season thus far but i could say the same about jonathan quick too there's you know there's been some inconsistencies i do have faith that Peterson at the very least uh, coming off that solid performance will actually build on it. Not saying I don't think Johnny quick can ever bounce back or anything like that. But at this point, my focus is more on how Cal Peterson sure is developing than how, you know, a possible likely maybe hall of famer, <laughs> hall of fame goaltender is uh, at the, at the very least U S hall of fame. For sure, he's. Yeah. He, you would argue. Some would argue he's the best American goalie. American goalie. I mean, if it's it's him, I guess, and Mike Richter. Richter. Some would say Beezer. Beezerook. Yeah. Yeah. Some would say Tim Thomas should be in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, my I'm more concerned and more interested in how Cal Peterson does this season than Johnny Quick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough, man. It's tough because I think, you know, Quick's not stupid. Everyone kind of knows that you're going to have to expose a goaltender for the for the expansion draft, and he's going to be the one exposed from our standpoint. I think there's a fairly high likelihood that Seattle could take him, but you never know. Um, and it is interesting. Like I, I think he still has the talent. I think he still has the ability. He suffers from the same problem that he's had for the last several seasons, which is he makes the ridiculous saves, and then the ones that think he should have it they just they squeeze by somehow like he overplays it 
in a weird way. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and he just doesn't have the defense in front of him that he did early on in his career where, you know, they'll, they'll limit the high danger probabilities, the, the high danger chances. So he's going to have to, if he's going to get back to those ways to being like a, you know, a sub 2.5 goals against goalie, those easy ones just can't go in Yeah, quite frankly. And just to clarify, like he has not, Gone the he has not best, been the problem. <laughs> no, or nor has he gone the best support defensive. No, the Minnesota, the first period when they were down three nothing, like man, just yeah. poor coverage, oh, breakaways. I think he stopped a four on one in St. Yeah. Louis, like a really nice save. So he's doing, I would say he's doing what he's usually done. Yeah, uh, and yeah. you know, he's gonna. Yeah, he's been leaky too at times in his career, even in, in his best seasons. Of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. He does. I think he's aware of the situation. Um, I think he's aware that Cal Peterson's like the new toy, the new shiny <laughs> toy for the Kings, uh, and even for us, I guess. Because, like I said, I, I am a little more interested moving forward to see Cal Peterson play, uh, because whether it's harsh or not, he is he is likely the goalie that sure. we're gonna depend on in the years to come. Yeah. All right. That. I believe takes care of our boys, the LA Kings, but there was a lot of action around the league. And I'm not talking about just on the ice, a lot going on it, on all fronts, <laughs> on any, on all imaginable fronts, yeah. uh, starting with, you know, I just said this season's not going to have a lot of big trades or trades in general. And right out of the gate, we get a one for one classic hockey trade, Patrick line, a, who I predicted would get traded two years ago. <laughs> That's slow play, buddy. <laughs> slow Nailed burn. it, buddy. <laughs> Gets traded for the malcontent Pierre-Luc Dubois. I guess they were both malcontent, but right. body language-wise, my God, <laughs> PLD was checked out of yeah. Columbus, whereas Line, you know, even though he requested a trade himself out of Winnipeg, was still bringing it, I felt, um, any chance he could anyway. Yeah. But anyway... I mean, like you said, it was one for one in the sense that that was clearly the centerpieces, but like there's a couple side pieces and sure, trades sure. and salary retention, et cetera. But yeah, clearly like that's the, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you've, you've obviously been, like you said, you've been calling line a leaving Winnipeg for two years now. I think Do you feel like this was fair either way? Yeah. Look, I'm not like, to me, I'm looking at this as a one for one. So mm-hmm. I'm not really going to get into what draft pick sure, might sure. develop, or you know, Roslovic or whoever the other guy is. But, yeah. Uh, I'm, to me, I'm a, I like pa- Patrick Line. I've always liked Patrick Line. I've always appreciated someone who's very very good at scoring. Like I've mm-hmm. always loved. You know, the same same reason we love Arthur Kaliev as a prospect, right? It's just the, if you get this guy the puck in the right spot, the red light's going to go on. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. I like it for Columbus. I think they need something like that. I think for the longest time, you look at the Blue Jackets and you're like, just, you know, a bunch of hardworking guys, you know, with a hard-ass coach and they work hard and they do things right they upset the lightning a couple of seasons ago like you're like okay so these guys go to work but 
you always wonder, like, what if you could add someone who could now, like, bury it? Right. You know what I mean? Like, pay off your hard work every shift. And granted, they had Panarin, but that was that was very fleeting. Panarin, to me, very skilled guy, right? But I don't think he's... I don't think he was a finisher. I think he's a playmaker. I think he, you know, he needs a guy to finish. He's can he score goals? He can, but not like, not like that. But yeah, they did have Panarin. But I always did wonder if they had a, a real goal scorer. So now we're gonna see. Mm-hmm. Don't know who he's gonna play with because their center depth is atrocious mm-hmm. without uh, Pierre Luc Dubois. I think Christ Max Domi, who's a winger, right. I think is their number one center right now. So. You know, that's not problematic, problematic <laughs> sure. But when you have a guy who doesn't want to be there, you know, I, I think this is – they did the best they could do. Yeah, no, you absolutely. Get a pretty good player. On the other end, man, <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets, to add Deep. another center, they yeah, look scary that, on offense. Uh, it's just a scary, scary squad. They were scary with line, line A. They're still scary, yeah. maybe even more so. With no, I, I think more so because if you consider, you know, we we know better than most teams how important it is to have center depth. You know, you could you could cycle those wingers no problem, but to have center depth like they do now with with Shifley and PLD is their one two, and then you've got like Ehlers and Wheeler and and all these yeah, other guys. Yeah, and Brian on the wings, like yeah, Brian out, Little, right? Is, yeah, he's done, isn't he? So, so right, and you so automatically you're like, we need a center there because right. I think Paul Stasny, who they have, <laughs> well, he's but that's the thing they signed him, and he he can still play. But imagine Stasny being your three C. That's what I'm saying. That's that's, that's beautiful. what I'm saying. You yeah, know, Paul Stasny, they have him now. You bump him down to like a depth role. Now right. you're cooking, man, because like. Ehlers and Dubois, if that's like I, – I always like pairs, right? I, I look at a mm-hmm. line, I'm like – I look at two guys who work well together. Even sure, though sure. The Winnipeg top line is just friggin' outstanding all across the board. It's nasty. But Ehlers and um, PLD, yeah, yeah, on that second line, now you bump down Stasny. You know, you got some stuff there. You got Matthew Perot who's, you know, he can, he can score. Is he playing or did he opt out? I thought – He's playing – is he? Okay, my Is he not? I, I can't remember now. I thought he wasn't. Oh, I got to double check that then because... No, you're right. You're right. He has played. I thought he was playing. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. No worries. I'm sorry, but um, but I think... um, Is it is it Adam Kopp or Andrew Kopp? Has also, Andrew Kopp has yeah, also Andrew. been playing really well. Yeah, so he's on the second line. Yeah, so they've got... Yeah. Trevor Lewis. Depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we know where they're weak. Um, and... In uh, maybe in a perfect world, they would have flipped line A for like one of Carolina's sick defensemen or something. <laughs> uh, but I think this is this works. I think yeah. this works. I'm excited to watch both teams. I've never been excited to watch Columbus. At least I'm excited to watch them now, uh, and I'm really excited to watch Winnipeg, who have always been entertaining yeah. to me. So. From like an entertainment standpoint, which is really all I care about because <laughs> I have no horse in this in right. this race. Like, great, right. give me more. Yeah, I think that's that's reasonable. That's a uh, so so that's one thing that mm-hmm. happened. Um, 
other things before we get to the one that I think we're going to talk about the most, um, uh, the Penguins GM situation. Yeah, very, Kinda very out of the curious, blue, huh? man. Very curious. Kind of out of the blue. Have you read like the speculation and stuff about why Jim Rutherford I mean, I keep, resigned? Oh, why he stepped down? Yeah. No, I haven't. So, I've read, and this is. From I just a, figured he was just old and tired. <laughs> I don't think Jimmy's like that. I don't know the guy I'm calling. That's him fair. Jimmy. But I, he's like, I think he's like a lifer, and I think he probably gets another gig. But apparently, and this is, I don't think this is confirmed, but he was attempting to trade crystal tank and managed an ownership stepped in and said you can't trade crystal tank that's that's the line in the sand and that he we're said if you're not gonna let me do, do my job do my job which by the way brought you two stanley cups then there's no reason for me to be here so it could have been Latang. It could have even been Malkin, dude. Uh, who knows, right? Like, who knows? Jimmy's crazy like that. Jimmy's looking. <laughs> he's looking at his squad. If you think about it, right? What if if Latang was attempt? If he was attempting to trade Latang for a goalie, dude, you have to let him do that. Again, this is all speculation. We're just having fun here. But but Latang's got a full no move. So does Malkin. He can wave. I mean, obviously they can, but like, oh, you know what? He's got a modified no trade. Latang does. Yeah. Okay. So apparently he can list eighteen teams he can be traded to. So he can he can say like twelve that I'm not going so to. Twelve, no. Okay. Yeah, but he's got a, and he's got like he's got this year, next year left. He's yeah. thirty three years old. This is for for the Penguins' sake. Yeah. I hope that that's that's <laughs> not true, because that is. Come on. <laughs> Chris Letang is not unexpendable anymore at this point in his career. That's what I've heard. Um, Unless this was another one of those, like, you're going to hurt Sid's feelings if you get rid of his friends kind of thing. Yeah, or if ownership stepped in and said, you can't trade Chris Letang. That means they have. There's this whole other relationship, right, with Chris right. Letang that we don't sure, know about. Sure, sure, sure. Maybe Mario Lemieux like promised Chris Letang five years ago, like <laughs> I will never trade you. But the thing is, like everyone, the reason I believe it is because everyone's like blindsided, right? Yeah. Like Mario Lemieux himself was like didn't see it coming, hmm. right? Like if you, if Jim Rutherford was like considering stepping away, I think they're there would have been conversations with not just Lemieux, but with, you know, one of the most high-profile players in NHL history. Sidney right. Crosby probably, you know, in the loop there. So I do believe there's that something abrupt happened. Yeah. And I guess it would have happened if he was planning on stepping down. It would have happened. He had a long enough offseason to right. consider Weird doing time, it, right? right? Like, <clears throat> And the Penguins have not looked great. I know they're winning. Like, I think they've beat the Rangers three times in overtime. Yeah, I I believe something happened. Couldn't tell you what, but if it is, mm -hmm. you know, a trade scenario, or maybe it's just a scenario where ownership stepped in on a trade or it said, don't shop this guy, whatever. Sure. I think Rutherford's the type of guy that would be like, that'll <laughs> Jimmy do. Don't take no, yeah, Jimmy, don't take no smack. It's like, I'm done. So, so Mark Fuda's name, or... Mike. Mike Fuda's name, sorry. Yeah. Coming up again, per usual. Yep. Bridesmaid City. That's right. I know Scott Mellenby's name came up and he 
basically said he's not interested right now. Yeah. Does it does it surprise you that Dean Lombardi's name just has now just stopped coming up at this point? I mean, it, it is interesting in so much as like, I can't believe that people have that short a memory. Like it. That's it, what it, I mean. It, it hasn't even been that long, and the dude, two cups. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, and I don't think the end was that bad. It really wasn't. Like, sure, for, there was mistakes, but it's not like he left the franchise in but, shambles. But again, I also wonder, and again, we're not privy to these insider conversations and stuff, but I do wonder how much is um, how much self promotion, perhaps, or or you know, how much you get your friends to kind of bandy your name around or mention that you might be interested in a role. Cause I've heard Hextall's name come up. Yeah. He's I've heard Fuda's name come up and I haven't heard Lombardi's name. And so that begs to, that makes me wonder, well, maybe that's because he hasn't asked for it to come up. Maybe he's basically like made it known that he's not interested in taking that role again. Yeah. I find that difficult to believe that he wouldn't be interested because he is such a, control freak in a lot of ways. Like he likes being in that, in that position. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, it's been zero zilch. Like, you know, he hasn't even, I don't even know what he's doing anymore. Is he scouting? Is he last I heard he was scouting with the flyers. That's the last, is he, thing. is he writing the great American novel? I mean, what I is he doing? So. He I said really he's going to write a book. I would love to yeah. read that. Yeah. I hope that's what you're it's, doing. Dean. It's, it's probably at least four volumes. You might yeah. want to make some room on that bookshelf behind you there. That's and, fine. That's fine. I'll make room. Clear some crap out. I guess that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, around these circles, there's a reason why Fuda's name keeps coming up is because I think he's made it known that he would, he would consider a, a GM position. Same with Hextall. So maybe they've kind of like subtly asked him, like, do you think, do you think you'd be interested? And he's not really expressed interest. Hmm. I, maybe I think that's just weird for any. It's like, well, that's what I'm saying because really Rutherford was to... Rutherford. So Rutherford was out of the game for a couple seasons, right? Like after I after, so. yeah, like he won with Carolina, and then they started losing a little bit, and then he he got fired from that gig for for Ron Francis for a little while, and then they just kind of out of the blue brought him back in Pittsburgh after was it? I'm forgetting now. Who their prior it was GM Shiro? Was. was it Shiro? Was it Shiro? Yeah, it was Shiro. It was um, yeah, it was Shiro. And then they kind of brought Rutherford back in, so that was kind of out of the blue, I thought. So yeah, so we'll see who they decide to find. I mean, it's it's rare that they that they bring in a young GM. I guess Kyle Dubas being the exception, John Chaika being another one, but obviously that didn't end too well for Arizona. So I also I, feel I, like a young GM. You don't see it paired up with a veteran team. Yeah. I know that's well, kind of Toronto. weird. Yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh strikes me as a more traditional kind of GM coach yeah, yeah. route. I'm sure it's someone Mario Lemieux like, knows personally. or Yeah. Things like that. But Maybe Wayne gets a crack at it. You know, Wayne... <laughs> For, for as good as he was on the ice, I don't know. I don't know about, yeah, I don't know about anything. I mean, look, he tried coaching. 
not great, not the nope. great one when nope. it comes to coaching. Uh, he did. He was the GM of Team Canada. <laughs> Tough but, job. <laughs> yeah, in O two, I think when they won, and he was very animated and very emotional throughout the whole thing. So he didn't get called back. No, even though they won then, the gold. So well, and then Stevie Eiserman took over and launched his. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's going to get double inducted in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? He's going to be builder, builder and, and player. player. Yeah. Jim Rutherford in the Hall of Fame as a builder. So there you go. Hall of Fame coach. That, or Hall of Fame GM, I should say. That's the thing. If Jimmy can get hired again, which we, I think we I think we both think he can and probably yeah. will, just still surprised me that Dino ain't getting yeah. that call. Anyway, uh, anything else going on in hockey, Vardy? Maybe uh, <laughs> <No>? <laughs> maybe something you know? along the lines of a Twitter burner account and punching teammates in the face. I'm, I don't know, man. I mean, the, the Rangers, you know, the Rangers Twitter account just tweeted that Jack Johnson's out for a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, maintenance day. Maintenance day for uh, for Alexander Gorgiev and uh, Tony D'Angelo is on waivers and uh, two for one pizza day at uh, yeah. Joe's Fresh Slice and it's like, know. Whoa, 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 what did you say? <laughs> Hold on, what did you just say? It was it, it was right it after was, oh Georgiev <laughs> and right before the pizza thing. Can you repeat that? <laughs> Dude, that's exactly what it felt like. It's exactly what it felt like. It was just sound like, all right, guys. Uh, so Tony D'Angelo's on waivers. Jack Johnson's out for a little bit. And uh, all right, let's go get him Rangers. <laughs> oh, my God. Bizarre, <laughs> they, bizarre story. literally tried to just sneak it in there like that and be like, no one will ask. <laughs> be fine. Um, so Tony D'Angelo, who was already making noise before all this. Um, a Donald Trump supporter, which, you know... I'm Don, sure he's I, not the only one in the league. Exactly. And, and nor should it uh, be caused to put someone on waivers. That's fine. I, I have no issue with anyone's political affiliation. However, <laughs> in recent days, uh, fans had deciphered that he was behind... A Tony D'Angelo burner account <laughs> called NYR Fan Whatever. And essentially, he would just go on Twitter and attack anyone who said anything negative about Tony D'Angelo, which was him. Um, and, it, and it got to the point where a, a Twitter user actually inspected the tweet uh, using the inspector and I think found that the IP matched tony d'angelo's actual twitter account ip something along those lines well no what they what they did was they were able to do like a like an isp ip track right back to where the tweets were originating from and they found that it was at the it, it was at um what was it pbg arena is oh. that where where the pen Penguins play PPG, right? Right. Am I, am I correct? Okay, so they traced it back, and the tweets were originating from the PPG arena when the Rangers <laughs> were there playing against the Penguins. Oh my god! <laughs> and so, and and 
and so they did the you know the ever so casual like they put the map up and everything and they're like this you bro and his reaction <laughs> was just like how did you how did you what i could sue you <laughs> no it's, it's fake it's not me i'm i'm tony Riangelo, not d'angelo oh very clever um okay so fine i think <laughs> On Jan- I think there's a little timeline. Like January 9th, he actually deactivated his Twitter account. Right. His actual Twitter account. 23rd, they found his burner account. Which again, sadly, he's not the first, nor will he be the last no, athlete. The Kevin or, Durant thing yeah. from a few years ago. And that's, he's a superstar for right. crying out loud. Uh, but then, again, so far, nothing <laughs> where I would be like, put right. him on a way. Embarrassing, but not. <laughs> Embarrassing, you know, childish, sure. But put him on waivers? No. Until yesterday, or until, I should say, January 30th, depending on when you're listening to this, the Rangers lose to the Penguins in overtime. Um, Apparently, their goaltender, Gorgiev and Tony, had a few words about the overtime winning goal or or the game tying goal. One of them. Um, I think it was the tying goal that then led to them losing in overtime. Thank you. Um, Had a few words or a disagreement. Uh, And then earlier today, which is the 31st, some random tweets started coming out from like not a verified source, just a random user about how Tony D'Angelo had actually had an altercation with a teammate and there was no clarification on who or even if it was true. And then within two hours of that, you start getting reports, particularly from The Athletic, um, that Tony D'Angelo had an altercation with the goaltender, Gorgiev. Mm -hmm. And so Mr. Whoever that was on Twitter was right. Uh, And and suddenly, just like that, Tony D'Angelo was on waivers. This came out after he was put on waivers, just to get the timeline clear. He was put on waivers this morning. Everyone was like, huh? And then uh, these stories came out. So the saga of Tony D in NYR has come to an end. Well, the saga of him in general, you know, he this is so the Rangers are his third team. Okay, I think was it Tampa that drafted him or Arizona that drafted him? I can't remember exactly, but he he was in Arizona, he was in Tampa, then he ended up in New York. And up until last season, really hadn't shown this level of playmaking, offensive capability. Um, And he came into the league with a fair amount of baggage based on uh, issues during juniors regarding him uh, bullying or getting into arguments with teammates, a story about potential like racial slur derogatory yes. term usage um he also i think he got a game for abuse of officials right so he didn't come in you know squeaky clean to to the nhl to begin with so the nhl teams that drafted him decided that his talent um overwhelmed any any baggage that he might have coming in and then obviously his political thoughts and affiliations which again i'm 100% sure he is not alone in the NHL in having particular political affiliations and beliefs and things of that nature. But I think he chose to be more outspoken about them. He had his own podcast. He was very 
blatantly expressing his thoughts on on COVID or or what he did not believe to be a true pandemic or you know what have you rather vocally through his official Twitter account and obviously all of those things you could say like oh well that's his personal beliefs and he's saying those things but he's a representative of a team a very highly yeah. highly lucrative and well-known team in the biggest city in the USA and so you can imagine how his employer probably tried to have some discussions with him about toning down the things he was saying and keeping things, finding a line between what was okay and not okay. Um, it just, it just, I'm laughing I think it, because the first thing, the first thing that popped into his head was, "Dude, burner account." Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. Is it's just like for a guy who's had that many things go wrong for him through this process you would think that there would be a point in time where he'd be like you know what fine i not worth it not worth giving this up but i think he just kept doubling down and just kept going more and more and deeper yeah. and deeper down this like down this path of like really not caring what anyone else you know had to say about his own behavior and and i guess it translated to increased tension in the locker room so ultimately Man. for whatever Wild specific times. event that happened new york decided to straight wave him i know they've been trying to trade him and there really hasn't been a market likely because of the off-ice issues so yeah 53 points last year in 68 games that's a that guy got waived ladies and gentlemen he's on the waivers just right now and and weird the crazy times. thing is it's not crazy but i mean in the grand scheme of things, I don't think anyone's going to touch him. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what they decide to do because if he so if no one picks him up off of waivers, then they can assign him to Hartford, and he has the option obviously to not report, which would be, which is weird either way, right? If he shows up to Hartford, I'm not sure what you do there. He's just going to be like, oh, I'm here to work on my skills and my people's, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very clear that New York doesn't want him at all. They're just trying to figure out a way to get someone else to take him. Yeah, but if he wants to continue playing pro hockey, he will do that song and dance and talk about, you know, changing his ways. And maybe it's sincere. I hope it is. But I just want to see – I don't really care about Tony D'Angelo or anything, but I would like to see him at least care about being an NHL player um, in what – seems to be the prime of his career yeah um, i mean it's, it's, it's strange you know i can't i can't decide his priorities for him some people may think that were they in the same situation as him they would they would value their own freedom of expression whatever whatever they want to say over that but i i really don't think that that's what i think that's just one of the many layers i think they gave him a long leash with regards to expressing himself and letting him do those things for a long time but when it translates to issues in the locker room, issues with team performance and issues with other players, that's, that's I think, where you cross the line. And, Absolutely. You know, I have no issue with him being vocal. I have no, we All we do on this podcast is encourage NHL players to be a little bit more outspoken. I don't care if I agree with what he says or not. Right. But I think, you know, punching your teammate in the face <laughs> is a problem. Right. To Having, be fair, I think he was the one who got punched in the face. Okay, so um, 
having your face to... break the fall <laughs> of your teammate's fist, whatever, inciting violence, yes. right? In any way, and I know that's <laughs> that's funny, inciting violence. Talking about what we talk about, but inciting violence within your locker room and having pushing your teammate to the point where he's attacking you, to the and I'm sure you know if he went to the if he went to management and said but he punched me they'd be like come on tony like come on buddy <laughs> you yeah, know what would you say first <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so um i think man i think that could be it for him unless he like i said unless he makes the mm-hmm. uh makes this or takes the steps towards some kind of change i guess because again i don't want him i don't want to make it sound like oh he needs to apologize for being outspoken or his political beliefs that's not it at all um but i think maybe he should be looking inward and figuring out why he needed to make a burner account to defend himself from fans in the cesspool of twitter which you know i'm sure you know you could find someone saying bad things about wayne gretzky right now and everyone knows he's a saint (laughs) and then he's an angel so (laughs) you know going on twitter and being upset that someone's saying bad something bad about you it's like okay it's a little petty. And then, yeah. of course, altercations with teammates and whatnot. So, yeah, interesting to see how that goes. Really, really yeah. truly is. Um, let's look at the Kings schedule, Vardy, up ahead. Sure. So, they've, you know, it's been a lot of splits, obviously. <laughs> uh, outside of the first two game set with Minnesota, they split the other three sets they've had, which in- included Minnesota again. Yep. So much Minnesota. It's a heavy dose of minnesota i would say uh looking ahead our old friends down the freeway the horrible anaheim ducks embarrassed two nights in a row by st louis they have serious issues john gibson needs to demand a trade (laughs) tonight (laughs) tonight if seriously this team can't score can't score when they do have success, the three wins, John Gibson has been nothing short of a wall in net. Um, he's wasting away his prime. Yep. And if, and on the other side of it, if the Ducks are smart, they would be looking to trade John Gibson right now in the direction they're headed. They're not going to be good. Um, they're not going to be good for the foreseeable future. They have good prospects, but like the Kings are ahead of them in where they are in quote-unquote rebuild yes. land. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm the Ducks, I'm looking to trade Gibson. I'm looking maybe keep Getzlaff, I guess. But yeah, I feel bad for Johnny. And uh, yeah. good, good news for him, I guess, is that he's going to play a pretty depleted Kings team, so they might have a shot. Yeah, I know. It's going to be really interesting to see who's actually in the lineup. It sounds like Ferk may be back by the weekend. Definitely won't be back for Tuesday's game. I think Tuesday is the reverse retro night too, which Ooh. is which would be nice to see. Yeah. Um, and then after that, maybe some games against Vegas. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> Remains to be seen. It will be another two game set against Vegas, then a two game right. set against San Jose, then a two game set against Minnesota again. Honest, honestly, oh, it, it really. I'll tell you. I think by. I don't think I'm I'm over exaggerating here, but I think 
by the time that second Minnesota set comes up, I think it's going to be really, really clear which direction the King season is going to go. Because if they can't, if the teams ahead of them don't start losing, yeah. it's going to be really, really difficult for them to gain some ground. And if they can't beat Minnesota, who I, I think you would agree with me is probably going to be the team of the of the four that we would potentially have to knock out to get into a playoff spot. Yeah, I think Colorado's not looking great right now, but I think they'll pull it together. Um, yeah, I, I, I always figured Minnesota would be our best shot, is is us instead of Minnesota to make the playoffs. And if we can't beat Minnesota, and if some of those teams ahead of us don't start losing in regulation, I should say, because Minnesota <laughs> yeah, again won them out in overtime. Just, yeah, beating there's, Colorado there's, right now. Well, they lost. Uh, they lost. I think was it McKinnon who was out today. He he McKinnon, got hurt with a lower body second injury. Second period on, yeah, was not there. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. But one of those teams has to drop out. I certainly don't think it's going to be St. Louis. I don't think it's going to be Vegas. So it's either going to be Vegas. It's either going to be Minnesota or it's going to be Colorado. And I think smart money would be on no. Minnesota. But right now they're building a decent separation between us and them. And so I think by the time that second two game set against Minnesota comes around later this month, it's going to be pretty clear which direction this is all going to go. Well said. Yep. I think that's a great way to end the episode, except well, for then, the then, fact then, then, that it's got... episode 64. Yes. The Matt well, the good news episode. That's that's exactly right because he's the only sixty four in the history oh, yes. of the LA Kings. Oh my god! I nailed! I did it! Uh, sixty four episodes it took for me to sweep the board, ladies and gentlemen. You're you're getting into those that number territory where there's only like one or two guys. There's even there's even some more. There's no guys with particular Great. numbers. I'm so excited! So we might have to we might have to make those uh, the league wide episodes like we did before. Like who's the league's best? Number 64. I can look that up real quick. I, can, I should think about this. Who is the league's best number 64? Like, uh, I feel like even that guy's not great. Yeah. Yep, he's not. <laughs> they did this. I told right. you, I yeah, think yeah, Manager yeah, did yeah. this. We did this briefly once or twice, and we might have to do this for a few of the other episodes because there really isn't a lot of other people who have certain numbers. Um, but yeah, I guess... The NHL seems to think it might be Jamie McGinn. Oh my. Matt Luff might have might have something to say about that. The Jamie fact McGinn. that Matt Luff has an outside chance of stealing that crown. It's probably why he hasn't changed his number. <laughs> sheer madness. All right, well, it's the Matt Luff episode. Thanks for joining us, guys. This is I, I like this pace, Vardy. I think we should keep it going. Yeah, it's been nice. We've had, we've had more Twitter interaction. We've gotten quite a few followers the last couple of weeks. It's nice. We, we enjoy doing this. We enjoy having the interaction and, and there's been a few uh, new LA Kings podcast accounts and, uh, and blog accounts and stuff popping up. So it's nice, nice to have that full interaction back. I think we, of course we appreciate their support and yep. they have our support. That's the way this goes. Always. Uh, we are not competing with anybody. Only with ourselves, trying to get better. Yep. See you guys next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.